Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening, I'm Clarence Boone, and welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning radio broadcast in our 18th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting the African-American community. Good evening, I'm Liz Mitchell. In a recent Bloom Magazine article, Carmen Searing wrote that for more than 25 years, Lee Rosser, was a professional wrestler, a showman with a flair for pageantry, storytelling, and bringing people together. Now, as Chef Lee, he does the same thing using culinary skills gained after stepping out of the ring. Rosser, who is from Gary, Indiana, the oldest of seven children, raised by a single mother, uh, stated that I grew up in the hood and I wanted a way out. Wrestling offered me that. And so he started wrestling in the mid-90s, traveling a circuit, making a name for himself as P.T. Hustler. His break came when he met Chef J.J. Boston at an autograph signing event at Victory Field in Indy. Soon he was promoting himself as caterer Lee Rosser, punching you with flavor as he took his flair for showmanship from the ring to the kitchen. He joins us now to share the story of his transformation and introduce our listeners to Chef Lee Catering and Chefing. Chef Lee, welcome to Bring It On. I'm thrilled to have you here. I'm trying not to be emotional. (laughs) Well, I tell you, anyone that pursues a dream, anyone that, uh, you know, just... It doesn't doesn't make excuses for making a transformation in their life at any age. We have to applaud. I mean, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Thank you for Uh, having me. I appreciate it. Well, we're glad to have you here. And um, uh, the thing that made my eyebrows uh, perk up was uh, the fact that you're from my hometown in Gary, Indiana. Oh, so what? <laughs> hey, no, 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 no. We have to do 15 minutes of catch-up here. Okay. Uh, our, our brother's from, from Gary, Indiana, and um, first got to find out where you lived, who you knew, what school you went to, what school well, you Well, as far as, uh, I, I, so I lived on both e- uh, east side and west side, so All right. a couple of musicians there. Okay, um, famous question. What high school I'm a Roosevelt Panther till the day I die. I knew it. I knew uh, it. The Mighty Velt. The Mighty Velt is represented well, on Bring hey, It On. No tonight. way, man. That... I, hey, hey, the show is over. We're going to, hey, we're going into a new dimension right now. There were two teachers in my world that um, I wasn't like the greatest student. I'm C plus at, at best. But uh, one was my English teacher. Well, let's just go back to the eighth, the seventh, eighth grade was my librarian. Ah, okay. this is when Michael Jackson uh, Thriller came out. Yeah, and I was, you know, such a nerd geek that, you know, I didn't have anything else to do but hang out in the library. So I started the uh, the AV club, 
And yeah. charging kids a quarter to watch Michael Jackson's video. You're an entrepreneur. <laughs> just, 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 just dragging it out there. Uh, and then um, English teacher, uh, freshman year, or maybe sophomore year, Miss Baylog. Yeah, Miss ba- Betty Baylog. Okay. I, I wrote a poem about how I wanted to become a wrestler. And it was, uh, and of course, I had to stand in front of the class and give my auditorial blah, blah, blah. And to have these kids that I still feel like I still have nothing in common with. Uh-huh. Actually applaud the story of the match. All right. That was in the poem. Yeah. Because it was the haiku. And so uh, it was, you just let me know right there that as soon as I get out of here, I got someplace else I had to go. All right. All right. Yeah. And the yeah. wrestling ring was it. Well, and, and, and one more question. I'm going to turn it over to Liz because Liz is waiting. I, I could tell. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and see, she got scared because the moment I said you're from Gary, she said, oh, it's all over. But you made in, in this article uh, written by Carmen Searing, uh, which is an impressive article in Bloom Magazine, um, you mentioned that you wanted to get out of the hood. Yeah, I mean, you have to. I mean, I'm a a 70s kid, so, you know, it was the, growing up, it was the era of, you know, stepping over pimps. The crack pandemic just hit. Yeah. And I lived in the projects on 21st. You know, know, that Martin Luther King ship that ran all the way through? Both sides, all three projects I lived in, in in, in, in Gary, all three. No, they're not there anymore. But, so you were straight up east side then. You're over well, there. So I, uh, I started I started on the east side and then I wound up on the one way over at the color doors on the west side. Okay. Okay. So all, I was through all of them. And and I got I mean I, to me again being influenced cable was a big thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. instead of me watching uh BET with all my other friends that we stole cable for uh, I was watching MTV. Okay. I wanted the fast cars and and the loud music and you know the lifestyle and the limelight of our music was always about and not not R and B but the up and coming rap music that was coming out in our era. It wasn't it wasn't happy. It didn't give me an escape because I'm living this life already. Right. Right. Seeing these songs, I don't want to see these songs. I want to walk the right lights. I want to be around people who are smiling constantly. And and, and so I thought, uh, you know, again, wrestling has always been a passion of mine coming up as a kid. Okay. But I never got to experience it until I turned 24. Wow. I was already late. Late. Yeah. To the game. yeah. yeah. Um, but <clears throat> in between that session of being 18 and 24, just trying to find my way. Mm-hmm. So I got to travel around different rings, um, different people, walks of life. Never in my same neighborhood. Never, And I left Gary long, like 16. Okay. So I, I got to travel like all over just by the chemistry of having company and camaraderie as a kid. And I think that helped me build a base to uh, to talk to people just in general. Right. I, 
we were never offering anything. It was just conversation and where you're going, what you're trying to do, and how you're trying to get there. Mm-hmm. And, and it's never been. I don't think there's anybody doing that anymore. Where just go out and experience life without any inhibitions. I mean, of course, there's always accountability, mm-hmm. but to be able to just find your way with some and and no guidance because I was looking probably for a father figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, a band of brothers because I was a oldest out of six out of seven with all girls. Oh, you know what I mean? I mean, I still can braid hair, bro. <laughs> like seriously, put your knees, well, your knees, tie them knots up, old school. I still can do it. Uh, my daughter probably appreciates that, but well, 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 you probably also vetted every every young man that came by the house to talk to one of your sisters too, man. I was I was notorious, notorious. You didn't mess with the Rosses in the neighborhood. No, I mean I was I was I was reckless as a kid too. I I remember I actually can remember me sketching. If we know what sketching is, you put your feet on the garbage can lid and you hold on to a car and you ride it like a surfboard. Who's doing that? Like on asphalt. I was again. I was a stu- I was insane, insane. Jumping out. That's insane. Jump. And, and so the neighborhood knew that you know I had a fruit screws loose. So they <laughs> kind of didn't mess with me or my family. You know what I mean? Like, so, oh, I want to jump right into talking about this food. Your fabulous food. Thank you, uh, man. For our listening audience. If you have not had Chef Lee's ribs, you haven't lived. Uh-huh. And I like I like how you said, Chef, how do I punch you in the face with flavor? Yep. You punch me in the face with, with those ribs. <laughs> and I will you. tell you, you said you got six sisters? Yes. I had six brothers, oh. and I'm the only girl. Oh, so, yeah, you're a yeah. fighter then. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I like that. I want you to tell our listening audience your journey to discovering that you were a chef and your journey. Mm. I know it, but I want our listening audience to know it. And how you said you, you, you started off late at any age in life. You can do whatever. I yeah, find absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm living yeah. proof of all of that. All okay. Of that. So, mm. so tell us about your food experiences. How'd you go from being big time wrestler to being just a world-class chef. I'll I'll take that with a little bit, a lot of humility. I'm not world-class. I'm just your friendly neighborhood bad guy. That's still my moniker. Um, (laughs) I, uh, so at age 42, I needed to figure out, we fast forward through all the wrestling stories. This is, uh, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to live uh, and make money without wearing tights. I'm getting too old. (laughs) <laughs> and OnlyFans has not been made yet, so I can't make any money that way. Okay. So, uh, I'm in Indianapolis, and I'm still on the wrestling tour, but I'm just not doing as much. And uh, I'm signing autographs at Victory Field, which is the baseball field in Indy. Yeah. And I ran into Chef JJ, which was doing, like, some grilling competition outside with some other people. And I'm just walking by and, uh, you know, we just happened to hit it off because I'm, I'm hungry. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm signing autographs. And J.J. is just like this little 
five foot four, five foot five Italian dude, bald. And uh, I don't know what happened except the fact that uh, the, the the woman that I was dating at the time, we were in the same circles, and I did not know that. And so we, I went to another house party with her, and Chef JJ was sitting in the corner. I was like, oh, wow, here you are. I guess this must be fate. Two weeks later, I'm washing dishes in Broad Ripple in this small kitchen, breaking glasses with my hand every day because, you know, I'm used to punching people in the face, not handling hot glass coming out the dishwasher. <laughs> so after learning how to readjust my life, uh, again, I was—I I never signed up to be a chef. That was never my bit. I was, I was his operations director. Like I ran the kitchen as far as making stuff were ordered, the maintenance in the building, uh, the grills, taking care of that. I mean, I, I, again, I just, he needed an extra handyman and I needed mm -hmm. steady pay. Mm -hmm. And so with that being said, uh, he wound up buying a building in downtown Indy right across the street from White Castle. And uh, it's like a $3 million building. And we were exclusive just to the Big Green Egg, which is a ceramic grill. And everything that was cooked is cooked on that. So we only had corporate clients and you can buy tickets to like certain events. And he was also a, a, a retail store because he sold the Big Green Egg as well. So his doors are open all the time. So again, I'm just another guy, right? Just checking in, making sure. Now we got this big building. So now I've got an upstairs plant garden to take care of that's on the roof and it's a hundred degrees in the summer. And how do we learn how to not kill everything with what do we grow on the rooftop? And then now I have to learn other stuff like, you know, halon systems for compression and fire systems because I never learned that stuff before. And now we're in a bigger building. So I'm really like learning the insides and outsides of the process of how to own your own business. Now here comes the concept part because we kind of change things around. By me being the personality who I was, he always wanted to show. Because, you know, who doesn't like being entertained while you eat? Um, but, that, you know, that's neither, that wasn't his thing. So I became the front man. I was, you know, we had a, a show greeting where you, the, the show would start. And, you know, I'm the ringmaster of the circus and blah, blah, blah. It got to where that now we developed this concept that we want our chefs to talk to people. Most chefs don't want to talk to people. They want you to just come tell them that their food's great. We go to table side. And we have these conversations and there's certain things that uh, people want to hear about that connects them with the food memories. Chefs don't know how to talk about that on their plate. So by us being downtown Indy, I got to walk with these chefs for 10, 10 years hmm. and maybe 20 different chefs and pick like the most important part of everything that they've ever done through a beer conversation through late night crying with you know someone sleeping on my couch because his wife wouldn't let him in because I'm, I'm i'm a single guy living downtown indy right across from the stadium with a big green egg as a rooftop grill so i'm kind of already living my rock star life so we take that to a different level and I never got to work in another kitchen ever again. Hmm. I didn't get the nuances of line cooking. 
having a sloppy kitchen. You know, all the horror stories that these chefs told me, I never had to live any of that. And by paying, and I, and I take the same rhetoric with me. I listen and I apply it to my game plan, which is the same way I did wrestling. You listen, you learn, you adapt, you change, and you take the good from the bad. So I just had a lot, a lot of good in a short amount of time. I, I mean, a lot of good. I mean, the guys that I was nurturing were probably 30 years cooking. And, and they have to talk, you know, I'm their boss. And that's, you know, that's that's a kind of sets the bar a little bit between how I have to carry myself as a person. And, and, and then, again, I still want to get information out of them because I don't know what I'm doing with this. I'm just thinking I'm in, the guy owns his company. I know I'm not getting any higher than him, right? So with that being said, we're going to fast forward to like, oh, I'll just tell you how I wind up actually chefing. Chef JJ went down. He was teaching classes. We had grilling classes and stuff like that. He went down one day and, you know, his wife called up and says, uh, can you teach class for him? And I'm like, I, I helped write the class. I prepped the meal with the book. You know, this is 10 years, you know, man, you know, five, six years into the, into the salsa. Yeah, I helped write the profile. I can do this. No biggie, no biggie. As soon as uh, he found out I could do that, I got caught. I wound up chefing. And, you know, actually, it, you know, not, he didn't give me the title chef until like three or four years later. But I wound up more in the kitchen instead of being on the floor. In the front of the house, now I wind up in the back of the house. And the good thing about that is I got to learn what servers do, what the front of the house person does, your adjudicator does. And now I'm actually in the kitchen, but I already ran the kitchen from being walking through the kitchen. So now I'm, I'm really cemented on both sides of the fence. So I do that for the next three or four years. And I know I'm not going anyplace else because, you know, this is the top of the game. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I'm like, hey, man, you know, and this is me talking to myself. I'm a carny. Wrestlers like to travel and, and go to different towns and, and, and try different things and connect with different people. I needed to take my talents elsewhere. As LeBron said, I need to take my talents to South Beach. I need to go someplace else. Yeah. So I can have my own thing. And so like legitimately like a year before the pandemic hit i'm doing a chef lee in your home cooking for my normal fan base my wrestling fan base and the concept was three courses you talk to me we'll talk about if it's a movie party a bachelorette party whatever kind of party is we could talk about the food and this is me actually trying to learn navigate different things too because i already knew the jj way now I get to go to different houses and open up cabinet doors and blow their kitchen up and learn different things and how to work with someone else's stove. So I, I, that, I guess, in turn became my grilling, you know, my, uh, my line cooking expert. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, sometimes you start on fries. Then you're going to work your way up to the milkshake. You, you remember okay. that? So with that being said, I want to do a quick ID. Um, for those that just tuned in, we are fortunate to have caterer 
Lee Rosser, Chef Lee here with us this evening. And we're going to get the scoop on some of about his ribs and and what he offers. Hopefully. <laughs> oh, you, 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 I'll tell you what I'm offering, but you're not getting the scoop on my ribs. Oh, you're not going to get Like, I'm not giving you the scoop on yeah. my banana pudding. <laughs> I didn't even get any. So, net. <laughs> I got like a dollop, man. Like, not even. Yeah. It wet, wet the whistle. <laughs> yeah, he's back here with it and everybody took it. And I, I was surprised he didn't get any. I was busy. I was yeah, busy. you were busy. You were busy. So what do you say, Chef, is your specialty? I, I, For me, it's your ribs. But what do you say your specialty is? Everything that... No, no, it can't be everything because everything's a pain in the butt. It's the connection that we make during our conversation. Yeah. It's what you like. And if I'm making dinner for somebody that somebody tells me that what they like, now is my chance to, you already know what the basis is and what it's supposed to be. Now let me put the spit and polish on it. Let me hit you with the hat trick. Yeah. Let me make sure that the sour lemon that you like to maybe has like a snap of fire on it. So I get to create flavor profiles from our connection or just the inspiration that we have from, uh, from, and like now I've gotten kind of a little bit bigger than my britches. Uh, someone has to talk to the people now to give me the information so I can figure out menus. Cause I, I need help. It's just yeah. the bottom line. Yeah. Um, but it's that information that we get that I get to talking to the person or, you know, social media helps out wonders now. Cause you know, they'll get a name and I'm like, Oh, you know, I'll go trolling where, where they like to eat, where they're from. I, I get so, that's the cool part about growing up with the tape deck to now. The, 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 the plethora of knowledge that you can just actually like, I can be in another country just through my phone. Learning different things is amazing. So if you like Australian food, I can figure that out without having to go there and make yeah. it just as good. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's amazing. So for me, it's not it's not about what I make. It's what's on the plate that triggers both of our emotions while you're having this this meal. So when I say when I say I make everything, I make everything. It's just I don't have I like what you like. I just try to make it better. That's it. Yeah. I'm not reinventing the wheel. I just want you to have cuz you can remember you'll remember a you remember a bad sandwich. Don't go there. Don't go to that wing spot. Those wings are horrible. You know, you'll tell your friends about that. But you'll talk about mom's banana pudding. That I, you, you'll talk about that peach cobbler that made you feel warm on a Sunday while you're sitting there watching Family Matters or this old house. Foods triggers memories and has opened up the doors to so many conversations. And I, I believe that for me and, and what we do at Chef Lee at 338 South Walnut Street in Bloomington, Indiana. That was smooth. <laughs> 
I'm still a salesman. <laughs> like butter. Uh, at our house, it's it's an intimate setting, and it's man. I'm just humbled and blessed to be able to make a product that I can enjoy, and that you want to bring your friends to, and you want to hang out, and it's it's like going to your uncle's house, knowing that he's the the guy that you don't want to mess with in the neighborhood. But you know he'll take care of you, and you got no control over the TV, and the food's good. What made you come to Bloomington? I got fell in love with a woman. Oh, that'll do it. Yeah. Nope. I fell in love. Uh, so, Chef Lee's taken off. The pandemic shuts the world down, and bam, Chef Lee's product is nice. It's compact because I can only have ten people in your home. That was a sign for gathering. So again, I'm. I've already been through all of my indie dance already because they're they're paying kins and favor and kind and kinmanship. They're taking care of me because the downtown shut down. There's mm-hmm. no work. No planes are coming in. So can't work. So took the concept. I tried to pitch it to JJ. And I think he was just tired. He's been in the business probably like 35, 40 years oh, yeah. before yeah. I was. You know, he was already trying to sell his building, you know. And so I tried to pitch it on him. Tim's like, hey man, we can do this, and I'll piss sell. I'll work underneath your flag. You know, it'd be Chef JJ's percent, Chef Lee's in your home. You know, it'd be another notch, and we can still. Nah, I don't want to do that. All right, I'm out. I, I, I'm having this lunch and letting you know, with or without your blessing, I'm doing this. And so, it took off. And again, I said a lot of the JJ fans, a lot of my wrestling fans took, and this is all indie based. And again, I needed to get about it indie because. Everybody knew what I was about. They knew that package already. They knew what to expect. And I and I tell you right now, it was either going to be here or someplace further south. Hmm. Um, it just so happened that the woman I fell in love with was here. And uh, lucky you know, for us, you know how it goes. You fall yeah. in love, you, you upset your whole entire apple cart. Yeah. Yeah. So. So part of your service is you will go to people's homes? Yeah, so my, most of my, so I still do that. I still come to your house and still will cook for you in your home. Or you can come to my home, yeah. which is at 338 South Walnut Street in Bloomington. Or uh, I do, so, so the difference for catering and a chef who caters is completely different. Catering, if you ever watch, to assist the network, there's just people standing out there watching your food. And they're not even doing a good job of that. Mm-hmm. They have no idea what's on the table. And they're not trying, you know, that's not their fault. They have a job. But as someone, as somebody who, my plate represents me. My food represents me. I have standards on my plate. You don't have some kid sitting out there, you know, looking at his phone. You have a grown man telling you, this is what the food is. This is how we got here. And we're having a conversation about absolutely nothing else. Just random stuff. And I get to do that through catering. So just for, it's, for me, it's another connectivity to help building in my community that I moved to. Because the story still is, for me, you can sleep on silk sheets. You can have no socks on your feet, but you still got to eat. Yeah. And somewhere in between that, 
I think I've been blessed with being the mediator mm-hmm. and coming to my table is how we feed our bodies and our soul. Well, that's, that's uh, it. Uh, on that note, I, I want to jump in. For those who just tuned in, you're probably saying, who is this guy? And and, and where can I go and find out all these one? And he's been dropping the address all through this interview, which is good, which is good. It's wonderful. Uh, and we have the uh, opportunity and, 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 and extreme pleasure to talk with Caterer Lee Rosser, uh, who's, uh, who has a flair uh, for not only showmanship, but has mm-hmm. culinary expertise. And has a unique uh, model, which is to cook in your home. So you have your guests all there. He comes in and the aroma when your guests arrived and, and they think, they're, they're thinking you did it, but you say, no, no, not I, but it was Chef Lee. And then you're there in the kitchen with you have the white hat and the white when the white uh, uh, jacket. Oh, you don't have it. You don't have it. You don't have it. You don't have the tights on. Those days are over. No, those days are not over, sir. Oh, okay. I still, I still, I still bang out once a month in Shelbyville, Indiana. So you wrestle in Shelbyville? I still wrestle in Shelbyville once a month. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Now it's not. I, the there's different stages in your life as you grow older. Mm-hmm. And as we grow older, you know, you tend to calm down and not be so, you know, aggressive, right? Because I'm a fighter. To the day I die, I'm an action man. I'm lead majors, kung fu grip all day, every day. But you can't put that toll on that body at this age. Right. So so in the wrestling business, you learn how to keep yourself uh, efficient and topical. Okay. So now I just I'm just an old guy telling stories. I've already built a resume. Now they just know me as some old cranky guy who just wants to beat up on kids. That's it. And they hate me for it, which is I'm your friendly neighborhood bad guy. So now I've got a tweak. And now I get to push buttons on a different level. Now I could be Mr. Crotchety, get off my lawn. I'm gonna take your hot dog, kid. Rah, rah, rah. I get to be the grumbly old man. And once I do take that fall after, you know, poking some kid in the eye, the crowd erupts and they're insane. And now I got my comeuppance. The old man's got his comeuppance, you know. So I, I, I love telling stories. And I try to – one of my friends asked me this question real quick. And he says, how do you come up with your plating? You know what? 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 How do you? How, when you're looking at your plate, what colors do you use? Or, or you know, how do, walk me through one of your courses. You know, walk me through your meal. It's like I can't do that, man. I watch cartoons when I cook. It's like I watch the Transformers when I cook. I watch Japanese anime when I cook. I'm listening to sports radio when I cook. I don't have like a a profile of like a book or or a math. I see a match. I see a wrestling show every time I do a show. There's an opener. Let's make it hot. There's a soup and salad. Let's kind of tone it down. But keep them interested. There's a main event. We got a wong. Now let's give them something sweet and happy to take home. You just took your you just took your clients on an ebb and flow mm-hmm. and a match and a plate. And I think my and it just hits me. 
my coloring, my, my color palette and how I put myself on the plate is me opening up a comic book and looking at those old school colorful panels. Because <laughs> I'm a comic book fan. Uh, old school stuff now, mind you. Like My first comic book was given to me by my grandfather, I think I was 10. It was a Captain America Falcon. It was 10 cent. I still got it. And now oh. I have like over now I have like over ten thousand comic books. I see that. I mean, if you look at the back of my wall there, Wait, yeah, I saw the pow up on the wall there. Oh, bro, I've got like all kinds of comic book stuff. <laughs> well, let me let me ask you. You said a typical meal and how you array your food, and and okay, what's a typical week look like? And then after that, I have the question that all America has been waiting for. But the first question is, what does a typical week look like? Well, for me, uh, I still do 25 push-ups every morning. Okay. Um, so, so, again, so I just opened my doors in February for the downtown location at 338 South Walnut Street in Wilmington. Uh, but you can also reach me on the website at cheflee.us or Chef Lee in your home on Facebook. That That's, you know, the social media network. So managing that, it's part of a typical day because you guys get the word out. There's still marketing that has to be done. Yeah. Um, it's the booking. It's the balancing of the clients. It's the going shopping during the week. It's the trying to line up. I call them hired guns because I got friends in small places who like to come in and shop and be a part of something. Ah. And at, at this point in my life, I'm doing the OG stuff. Like, I never thought I'd be paying for someone else's Christmas other than my kids. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I'm paying some, I'm, I'm helping pay someone else's bills. That to me, no one taught me about any of that coming up as a kid. I'm wild runk, You know, no one taught me survival skills except me surviving. Mm-hmm. So now at this level, it's when do I go to work? Self-motivation. Getting up doing those push-ups, self-motivation, going down to the shop, cleaning my own shop, self-motivation. Yeah. So for me, every day is something different. Cause I may have an, I'll just give you like this past weekend. I just did seven seven events in four days. That's a dinner, breakfast, lunch, breakfast, lunch, breakfast, lunch for this one corporation here in Bloomington. And uh Luckily, I have the shop downtown because it's a it's a drive. To, it's a balance. It's a schedule. So yes. I got to start cooking at 1 a.m. But the prep still goes through until 8 or 9 o'clock that night for the next day. I'm still a one-man show until, you know, I get overpowering. Then I call in my buddies. Yeah. But, even, you know, you, you, if you want good help, you got to pay for it. Right. And it just so happens that during my travels, I found a bunch of Mexican friends that taught me a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, wow. Yeah, they, they without them, I, I, I think they taught me how to chop quickly. Because, you know, yeah. in, in the kitchen, most Mexicans are back there doing all the prep work anyway, or mm-hmm. cooking it. Again, I never came from a where, you know, I'm in the kitchen well vested until 40, till late 40s. Late 40s, I'm in the kitchen now. So, again, I'm still learning different stuff. 
And just said to be able to absorb that knowledge and now use it in my day to day, it's it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Now, 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 to me, all of this has been building up to this big question. On May the 14th, which is a Sunday, it's a special day. It is Mother's Day Ooh, yeah. in America. And I hear that Chef Lee has a special Mother's Day menu. Yeah, uh, yeah we now, got a, I got a Mother's Day brunch. Oh, I guess you're trying to figure out what's on it, aren't you? Well, you know, it's all building up to that now. You know, it's the main. I, I'm gonna tell you right now. I don't even know. I don't even know yet, and that's the fun part for me. I have to because now, of course, every so for me, every event's different, mm-hmm. and my events have entertainment in between courses. I'll tell you that, that there is a special singer that's coming to sing at Mother's Day. All right. Oh, Liz, you didn't tell me you were going to sing at uh, Steph Lee. <laughs> I, I mean, why am I always the last to know these things? Now, now, well, let me ask you this. Hey, let me I, ask can't, you this. I can't. Um, what, what's the capacity at, at your at your at your place? And again, okay, so share with I us see- share with us the address once again. <laughs> so, at uh, Chef Lee in your home at three three eight South Walnut Street in Bloomington, uh, we see twenty four. Okay. And, and reservations can, for this day? You can and everything. Uh, I I believe in knowing who's coming to my door. I'm, okay. I'm a big narcissist that way. Okay. Uh, so if my door is locked, is the reason why. So you can only get tickets online, and that's okay. for every Chef Lee event. You can only get tickets online. This way, I know who's coming in the house, and it, it's cost effective. So mm-hmm. now I know who many I have to cook for, what the dietaries are. And now the setting becomes more intimate, you know, more intimate. Right. And, and it's, it's, it's a way better package, way better package. Cause now you get to meet different people and, it, and you're not one of 400 walking through. Uh-huh. You're one of 24 for that day only. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. And then you can buy a ticket to some other day. But once we're done with that dinner at 6.30 or brunch or whatever, that's it. There's no coming back to it. There's nobody else being served before or after it, which makes that event special. Well, I, well, I imagine uh, your your guests feel pampered, and they, they probably feel overwhelmed with all of the, uh, you know, oh, all yeah, the there's activities. Antics. There's antics. There's me running through the, the hallways with a knife. No one, no one stops me. It's in my kitchen. Come on. I, I wouldn't probably <laughs> stop anyone else running through the hallways with a knife, but but the sight, the sounds, the the taste, of course. Yeah. And um, you know, so during the week, uh, what are your hours of operation during the week? Uh, there's a phone number that I have. I can't. I don't have memorized, but that's my. That's my. Again. I get so based, to, based I get on to, reservations, then you based schedule. On reservations I and, see, I see. Based on reservations and my catering job, like right now, I finished up at 2 o'clock. I actually don't have another catering gig until Friday. Okay. But I got to go to the kitchen, tighten up the kitchen, reorder stuff, get it all squared away, get lined up for this next week. Because okay. most food happenings happen on the weekends, Friday, Saturday, and Sundays. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, I don't, I don't foresee me being off a weekend ever until I, you know, take a vacation. And 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 with um, about seven minutes left, 
I'm, I'm going to turn over Liz because, um, uh, but I do want to ask this. You've compared other restaurants, food trucks, other. Personally. You know, personally. Yeah, personally. Okay. Why are you going to be more successful than say they are? Because I carved my own path and I believe that my, I believe that my story rings true. If you stick to who you are and find your path and be honest and transparent and, and be humble at the same time, but command respect and know your knowledge, you will find your way mm-hmm. and, and surround yourself with people who believe in your, in, in, in your process, mm-hmm. but never let failure seem not to be a process. Failure doesn't mean failing. It means learning. Uh, and I learned, and I actually just heard that from uh, the Milwaukee Bucks guy, Tempe Makumpo. If I probably, I just probably just butchered his name. They, you know, they they didn't make it to the they didn't make it to the second round. They were supposed to win. And he says, "I don't see failure. Failure. I don't see this as a failure. I see this as a process. Because you know, you can't win everything." And that clicked into me. I'm like, every day is not a failure if I'm not working. I'm not making money that day. I'm making money something else or doing something else. So every day is not a failure. It's just the process to being great. And so, again, I'm not trying to be in with the wheel. I just think that the story and the passion that I have for what we do and what I bring to the table and how I want people to come together, because I believe there's a stronger message than just the plate. I believe that, you know, we have the power to change the world mm-hmm. through conversation. And if I don't stand up and show forth the effort, like go to talk to kids <clears throat> like I'm, or talk to the person in the grocery store about randomness of nothing because they're looking at what's in my cart and I've mm-hmm. got to, that opens up the door. Right. So if I don't acknowledge that, that's how I fail. So that's why I think I will not fail because of the fact that this is built out of love and passion and desire, number one, but I'm willing and open and humble enough to see my fail. You know, I, the sky's the limit until I burn my plate. Okay. Well, what I like, Chef, is that I was, the question I was going to ask is what you would tell any young person starting off. And you pretty much answered that by following your passion and and doing what you love, and you mentioned those things. Yeah, so but what, you also you also not to cut you off. You can also like you know love going to rob a bank, but that ain't gonna make it happen. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Find something that's productive that you can, and it may you may not be stuck with this forever. Like I, I knew I wasn't gonna wrestle forever, but I made the best thing out of it. I knew I'm, I knew, I didn't know what I was going to do after becoming that, but I tried something different. I humbled myself to washing dishes. I'm a six foot two, 245 pound black guy, jacked up, washing dishes in some little small Italian white man's kitchen. Yeah. Learn how to be humble. But also at the same time, command respect in the room by giving respect. And you, and you can figure it out because that will that will pull people towards you that actually give a crap about you and, and how you're supposed to survive. How have you found Bloomington? A welcoming since you've been here? 
Uh, how's it been for you? I, I, other than trying to get a really good haircut, I, I, I try, I like making appointments for my haircut. I like going in and sitting down and just waiting for somebody to cut my hair. I, I don't like that. Yeah. But I, I think that's due to pandemic life. Um, I don't go out to eat much here because I cook for a living. And uh, once you, when, you know, once you open up your palates to all the culinary adventures, I mean, I got to travel during wrestling and tasting food as well. But then to revisit those places with the new taste buds and, you know, the new life lessons learned, it, it changes your brain and how you want to eat. And now I just want peanut butter and jelly or a bologna sandwich. Um, I love the atmosphere of there is still community here. I, I, I believe that, but no one's talking loud enough or if the people are talking, they're just a low, a low murmur. Mm-hmm. No, no. I, I, I think there's like for me right now, the homeless is a big thing. Oh, I get to watch this on a daily basis and I want to help, but you know, you only can do so much, but no, no one's saying the right things to make the right things happen. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, and that's the killing part because being observant and being a leader you can see these things. Why are you? And again, I'm always been, my clients will tell you, I'm, whether you like me or not, you get the same person, whether you $100,000, $5. I'm not changing. So I get to just say what I want with respect, but no one's saying about the mental health, about, I want our town to be better. I want our town to grow. I want us to be solid. And, and I'm not talking about IU. That's a whole, because that's a whole, you know, I'm trying to get political here. But we as a city need to like tighten up and figure out how to become a better city. Because there's a multitude of black people here. And I've probably only seen like maybe 10 of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like seriously. And that, and, and I don't care what color you are. I'm just saying, I, I, there, there should be a stronger presence. You know what I mean? There should be, there should be a stronger culture for our city. And I just want to help figure that out. Oh, all righty. Well, our thanks to Lee Rosser, owner of Chef Lee Catering and Chefing. He yes, offered- at 338 South Walnut Street in Bloomington, Indiana. Yes, that's where you find me. He offers catering and in-home dining experiences as well as pop-up dinners. And for more information, visit cheflee.us. Yes, ma'am. .us. Yeah, I can't do the .com. That was too much money. Okay, so <laughs> I want you to tell a listening audience how to contact you. Okay, so that's uh, cheflee.us. Uh, Chef Lee in your home on Facebook. Uh then there is uh, just coming down to the door and scanning the page and just like putting your face up against the glass and hoping that I see you when I walk past. That's the best way to get a hold of me because I'm usually always at the shop. I just don't open the door. <laughs> and, that, and that address once again is? God, 338 South Walnut Street in Bloomington, Indiana, ladies and gentlemen. 
Jeff Lee, we want to thank you. And well, thank before you. I really had a good time, man. Before signing off today, we have a special Dark Past, Bright Future segment, ideally suited for the month of May, featuring the black inventor of the automotive traffic control light and the story of an unsung black race car driver. I hope you enjoy it. Bring It On has an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is Bring It On at WFHB.org. We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is bringiton at WFHB.org. Welcome to Dark Past, Bright Future. Lessons in African-American history that you won't read about in any textbook telling the stories of the struggle of those who came before us to build a better path to a brighter future for all of us. Good evening. This is a new edition of Dark Past, Bright Future. When you are driving your car, have you ever taken a moment to think about, have there ever been an African-American who built automobiles? I suppose, just like many of you today, that never gave it a second thought about who did this or who did that in this country. We just take everything for granted. Have you ever heard the name Frederick Douglass Patterson? If you haven't, I'm not surprised. Mr. Patterson lived from 1871 to 1932 and was the first African-American to build motorized cars. His father, Charles Richardson Patterson, a former enslaved person, created C.R. Patterson and Sons Company, located in Greenfield, Ohio. They began building fashionable carriages in 1865. And upon the death of his father, Frederick Patterson inherited the company and began building motorized vehicles. Frederick Douglass Patterson was the fourth of five children born to Josephine and Charles Richardson Patterson. And of course, you could tell that he was named after the abolitionist Frederick Douglass. In 1888, he attended Ohio State University where he played football and may have been the first black football player at the school on the varsity team. He left the university and taught school in Louisville, Kentucky for two years. The first Patterson automobile, named the Patterson Greenfield, rolled off the line on September 23, 1915. Unfortunately, Henry Ford debated his Model T on October 1, 1908, and by that point, when the Greenfield Patterson car rolled off, the Model T had already captured the car buying market. The Patterson Greenfield automobile sold for $850 and was reputed to be a higher quality automobile than the Henry Ford's Model T, also known as the Tim Lizzie. The Patterson Greenfield car had a 40-horsepower Continental four-cylinder engine 
and reached a top speed of 50 miles per hour. Two factors hurt the sales of the Patterson Greenfield car. One was, as I mentioned before, it debated later than Henry Ford's Model T. And second, Henry Ford was able to sell his car for $825. $25 less than the Patterson Greenfield car. You might not think that was much, but back in those days, $25 was a lot of money. From 1915 to 1920, the Patterson Greenfield produced 150 vehicles of two styles, the two-door roaster and the four-door touring car. The company's slogan was, if it's a Patterson, it's a good one. By 1920, the company had shifted production to buses and trucks, and Patterson renamed the company to Greenfield Bus Body Company. But during the 1930s, competition from Detroit became increasingly more intense. So by 1939, the company had manufactured from its beginnings carriages, automobiles, buses, and trucks. The doors closed after 74 years of providing fine transportation. I would be remiss not to mention Garrett Morgan, who invented the three-way position traffic signal. Born in Kentucky in 1877, Garrett Morgan would go on to become one of the great African-American inventors of his time. By the 1920s, he had already had several inventions which allowed him success. Therefore, he was able to purchase an automobile, reportedly making him the first African-American in Cleveland, Ohio to do so. He witnessed an accident that sparked an idea. Traffic signals had already been invented, but they consisted of two signals, stop and go. The problem was they needed a caution light, a yellow light. And to solve this problem, Morgan invented a T-shaped traffic signal that had a third light, the yellow caution light. On November 20th, 1923, Morgan was awarded a patent for the three-way position traffic light. And just so you know, he also invented an early version of the gas mask. And since we're talking about cars and traffic lights, let's talk about one of the country's great African-American race car drivers. Despite being barred from the Indianapolis 500, Charlie Wiggins became an expert mechanic in his native town of Evansville, Indiana. In 1922, he moved to Indianapolis and opened up his own shop and built a race car out of nothing but junkyard parts. He nicknamed his race car the Wiggins Special, and his dream was to drive in the Indianapolis 500. But as we all know, he was prevented from doing so because of the color of his skin. Nevertheless, 
Undeterred, he and several other African-American drivers formed their own racing league called the Golden Glory, where Wiggins was nicknamed the Negro Speed King. In 1934, white race car driver Bill Cummings hired Wiggins to tune his car for the Indianapolis 500 racing circuit. However, to do so, Wiggins posed as a driver or, sorry, as a janitor in order to elude Jim Crow laws. Thanks to Wiggins, Cummins won the 500 race and set a new track record. This concludes this edition of Dark Past, Bright Future, and I hoped you learned something this evening that you did not know before. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of our new day begun, let us march on till victory is won. Bringing On's executive producer is Clarence Boone. Our assistant producer is Liz Mitchell. Show consultant and WFHB News Department director is Kate Young and program engineer is Chantal LaFontant. Original theme music was created by Jamil Effiam with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm Clarence Boone. And I'm Liz Mitchell. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 6 p.m. for another edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.